Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 64. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by unironically drinking White Claw, Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. I got carded. The dude at the liquor store was a college kid, and I went in after my grad class, and it was a trashy liquor store, and the only thing semi-decent they had was Black Cherry White Claw, and he said, there's no way this is real, and scanned it, and then just sat there looking dumbfounded. Bro, I'm pretty great. sure that, that they're just scanning your ID so they can uh, send it to the schools in the in the region in case anyone's missing tomorrow. Because they, they know you're not drinking that White Claw yourself. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's a bad joke. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, I forgot I just, you're a that teacher. That might have been really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> no. We're good. We're good. So how, how's living, bro? How's, how's Lynn? Uh, so home, we already hit the first bump in homeownership. Uh, we had our waistline flood over the weekend and we had to get it bladed and we found out that there are tree roots that are growing into our sewer exhaust or sewer waistline and uh, we might have to get it dug up. So right off the bat, we might be looking at like a 10 to 15 to $20,000 fix, which is not Dude, that's sweet. Yeah. Awesome. A- anybody Great wants news. to buy dual lands, let me know. <laughs> you and Jerry are going to be fighting, man. And Pat. Everybody's trying to get out now. I'm not actually trying to get out. I want to keep as much stuff as I can. But man, this shit's fucking expensive. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And So other than that, you had a good weekend though? Yeah, except for the fact that we didn't put our air conditioners in when we moved in. Because it was in the <sighs> 60s. And now I'm sitting in a 90 degree room in my boxer shorts. Uh, if Greta Thunberg could laugh, she'd be laughing at you right now. She would be. <laughs> yep. Without climate change, it'd be like a nice brisk 65 degrees that's be. scientifically proven yeah scientifically yeah there's consensus on that one yeah so yeah basically uh i've been i've been out of commission dude i've been without internet for the last like 72 hours just up in the up in the woods in the catskills for this bachelor party and dude it was it was really uh it was pretty fun man it, it was uh it was a nice nice getaway you know but i haven't i haven't been online I didn't get to watch any coverage of GP Atlanta. So just <laughs> Neither like, just did like everyone anybody else. else. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, it was great. We played a lot of golf. I got into an actual fight, which I haven't been in in a while, so that was fun. And uh, yeah, we uh, just wanted to real quick say congratulations to our former guest, Kevin Jones, on getting married this weekend. Big accomplishment. Proud of, proud of the daddy. I agree. Any words of advice for him? Uh, do whatever your wife tells you to. It's going to be easier than trying to push back against it because you're just never going to win. That's what I've learned. Ha- happy wife, happy life. Yeah. Or just like, don't don't wake the beast. <laughs> I'm going to get so much shit for saying that when she listens to the cast this week. <laughs> Dude, we're past the two minute mark. We're safe. No. So I'm going to get also- a text message Wednesday morning. <laughs> Also, LobsterCon, uh, I couldn't make it, unfortunately, because of this bachelor party, but they went off, it went off with, uh, I believe, 120 players, or actually probably more than that, uh, maybe 125 players this past weekend in Somerville, second annual, and they raised more than twice as much, man. They raised $6,500 for Room to Grow charity, 
which was awesome. That's a charity that we actually got involved with this past winter too. And it's, it's just so awesome, man. That, that's, that's just a phenomenal, uh, un, like out of this world amount of money to raise, you know, like really awesome stuff. And uh, I know our friend, uh, Dr. Rich Shea, did very well at the tournament with a pretty cool brew, actually, if you want to check it out. He had Savannah Lions in his ATOG deck. But, uh, yeah, there's some cool decks. I would recommend everybody check it out and check out Room to Grow Charity. Yeah, I think that the Lobster Con had more people traveling from Europe than Grand Prix Atlanta did. Bro, for real. I think you're probably right about that. Certainly from Canada, man. But anyway, we uh we obviously didn't go to Atlanta this weekend and no one was able to watch any coverage of it. So we brought in a ringer for this episode, man. We have on the line. I didn't check the pronunciation before we started because I'm uh I'm a podcasting genius. We have Jesse Inman. It's actually Jess Say, but uh Jess Say, okay. <laughs> With the accent mark over the E. Obviously. It's not, ju- not juicy though. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how I do at the Pro Tour. <laughs> so this is a so for, uh, for listeners who might not know, you made the the Pro Tour this past weekend. You qualified at Atlanta, correct? I did. I did. I I played in the Friday uh, event, just trying to get some more reps with the deck, uh, get some buys for the main event, and it just wouldn't lose on me. The deck was just too good. So the deck that you were playing was uh, Rug Delver, and. Yeah. No bad how, how long? Yeah, how long have you been playing it? Uh, this specific version of Delver, a couple months now, um, but I've been playing variants of Delver for years and years and years. Awesome! This so, is probably yeah. the best it's ever been positioned, though. I would, I would say, at least recently. Yeah, oh, we have to, agree. we have to go back to like the Rug Delver versus Maverick times back mm-hmm. in like 2012 to get better positioning for Rug. Yeah, Jesse, you've been playing for a while. You could actually talk to Tom about the period, the Dark Ages, before I started playing. Like, yeah, I started in 97, yeah, so uh, it's been a little while. Damn. Have you played continuously through? Yeah, Magic's great. Why stop? That's awesome, man. No, it's good for you. I definitely took a break. I can blame it on World of Warcraft, but... Sure. <laughs> <laughs> in one of those two. <laughs> So, <laughs> so basically, uh, this is this is not your first uh, trip to the Pro Tour, right? You, you were saying that you've done it before. I did make it uh, ten years ago, but but yes, I have had one previous appearance. So, what Pro Dude. Tour did you get to play in ten years ago? Uh, Honolulu in two thousand nine. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I was pretty fortunate. That was that Jund Pro Tour. Uh, let's see. It was Shards of Alara. Um, there was a lot of cascading going on. I remember that much. Okay. Is that like broodmate dragon? Is that, is that a word? Definitely. That, that? that was definitely, uh, in the pile I showed up with four color broodmate dragon. Good nice. times. Oh, rock and roll. That, that sounds awesome. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into, uh, both the pro tour and I, I think we definitely, I definitely want to hear your story of the, uh, the PTQ. Oh, but, sure. Real quickly, I just wanted to bang out the main event. Mm-hmm. So we had in Louisville, or sorry, in Louisville, we had in Atlanta 1,021 players show up. So not bad. And honestly, I was just 
I was really hungover at work this morning and I just dug into some research. And this was actually bigger than the last two modern GPs that, that were in Vegas. There was one in, I think, Indy and Minneapolis that both drew like nine something. Mm-hmm. But is that is that still like a good turnout? It seems about the same as Niagara, which people were complaining was over an, a holiday weekend, and Legacy didn't have like a like a bigger turnout. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't think it is a good turnout. I mean, we had in 2018 we had 1600 in Seattle, and in 2017 we had 1600 in Louisville on an awful weekend. And Atlanta is like an international hub, right, for for airline traffic. And one thing I noticed when I was sort of like deep diving into the data was 980 of the players were from the U.S. So there were only like 14, I believe, Canadians, five Japanese, and only 10 or 11 people from all of Europe, uh, 11 if you count Great Britain. (laughs) I think think that the new Grand Prix structure just really disincentivizes people who are like high sort of higher ranked magic players to travel for events. So it doesn't surprise me that there are less people traveling. There was a Grand Prix in Europe that could have played into that. And uh just I feel like there's a lot of people that are kind of getting burnt out on Magic Fest. They've started to have that realization of how much travel costs, how much the hotel costs, how much the tournament costs. And they realize that like going to a big event like that and playing against a bunch of random people. Well, if you're super competitive and driven, that's great. But most people just have a better time hanging out on a Friday, playing games of legacy with their friends in their local group. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could attest to that. And also I think it's kind of weird now that they have these PTQs. Like there was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday legacy PTQ at this thing. And the GP kind of is just a, a, 8x ptq now right i mean there's no point accumulation so yeah you get a bigger cash prize right but it kind of is just like an eight spot ptq jesse would you say that's reasonably accurate how you feel going to the event if there's no coverage that was what i was there for i mean i didn't even really know what the prizes were it's just oh this is an opportunity yep yeah well put i think that that's exactly how how it's kind of feels now right it's just a an enormous ptq which is cool you know it's fine it's it's just not what it was yeah i still think there's there's still more prestige to winning or top eating a grand prix but if you look at the actual prizes and what people are incentivized to play for it is it has basically turned into a giant ptq yeah it's definitely sweet to get the win right and congratulations to cyrus real quick because that's that's fucking phenomenal that guy's a uh, machine. Golly. So to to have a result like that, where you look at it and you're like, man, that guy deserves it. The amount of work that he and the people who work on that deck put in, it just, it couldn't happen to somebody that does more and works harder. And you saw a bunch of ringers in the top 32, people like Jarvis who are streaming every week. It uh, It's great to see people's time investment in the format get rewarded. Yeah, so you hear that, Bryant? You're not working hard enough. You know what? I, I went to I went to the convenience store before my class today, and I got a Coke Zero, and it said, share a Coke with Bryant. <laughs> and then I was like, where's Bryant? I haven't heard from him in a while. Usually usually he's doing something, and it's been quiet on the Bryant front. Ooh. Uh, is this Bryant Cook y'all are talking about? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's he was there. Cool. He was in the PTQ with me. He was doing well. He actually, I saw he top eight at a PTQ, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, we, that, we that, was, that was obviously sarcastic. We like Bryant over here. We don't like the Mets. <laughs> Mets are fucking awful, but that's we fair. like Bryant. You can't, dude, that's punching down. You can't make fun of the Mets. Come on. They're still paying Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> dude, my first baseball memory is uh, Bobby Bonilla. Going to a Mets game and him hitting a home run. My first, my first baseball game was a Mets game at Shea Stadium. Yeah, me too. Awesome. What if it was the same game, bro? And we, yo, our first concert was the same too, right? Three Eleven. Well, we thought that it was the same, but mine was a few years before. Oh right. And right, right. I definitely saw the Mets play in like in the eighties. I can't remember what year, but it was in the eighties. So it's probably not my- the same game. Mine could have been eighty nine, I guess, but that was that just maybe is probably probably more like ninety one. But anyway, yeah, pretty wild. So yeah, like like we were saying, you know, the attendance was pretty decent. Uh, Jesse, where did you travel from? Uh, just South Carolina. It wasn't too bad, like a three hour drive. Oh man, that's great. Did did you guys get hit by the hurricane at all? No, uh, it dodged us. Uh went a little bit north from us so we were fine talking about the the hurricane this past weekend oh i thought you were about talking about the one that was uh on its way to alabama or whatever yeah (laughs) tom which one were you were you talking about the the big one from a few weeks ago i don't pay attention to to weather that happens in the south well the only reason i know is because people's people's flights got canceled for this this grand prix right oh there were people taking trains yeah, exactly. Yeah, people people from the Legacy Pit were posting pictures of 18-hour train rides. Dude, imagine sitting on a fucking train with a bunch of Magic players for 18 hours. I, I uh, maybe I shouldn't punch down on Magic players, but that's got to be, that's got to be rough. Bro, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know if there still were trains. Like, what, what are they doing? Are they for people that are afraid to fly or what? Two hundred dollars, though it's fucking insane. Yeah, it's better than sitting on a Fungwa bus and having it light on fire halfway through Connecticut. <laughs> Bro, you've been on the Fungwa. I've been on the Fungwa. We had oh yeah one time we had a fire and an overdose. It was whew. <laughs> that was that was a great bachelor party weekend. Bro, I'm pretty sure we were on two wheels at one point on a Fungwa, but <laughs> those motherfuckers they do not play. All right, going too- eighty five and only eighty five. Too many. Too many tangents about the Fungwa that nobody outside <laughs> of our area is going to know. We have Jesse here. Jesse, talk I'm about still your here. tournament. Yeah, we're we're. I was super pumped <laughs> to talk to somebody that ran through Rug because really Rug, Rug was the story of this weekend. When I look at when I looked at the data from the Star City, I was like, all right, Delver's on top. It's a Star City. It kind of makes sense. Next weekend, it's going to be stuff that knocks that deck off. And it just didn't happen. It was just rug everywhere. I'm actually not sure what the really bad matchup for it is. Like, I don't want to sound cocky. Um, I mean, in my main event did not go as well. Like, obviously, it doesn't win all the time. Obviously, it did not win the whole thing. But I'm not sure. Outside of people who are specialists and really, really know their deck and have an excellent plan to execute against it, I'm not sure if it has a super obvious weakness to exploit right now. 
Yeah, a lot of the times when you can talk about the worst matchups of the deck, when you're like, man, I just really don't want to play the mirror, that means your deck's mm-hmm. really, really good. It's funny you mentioned that. That's actually what my mindset was when I went into uh, the top eight. There were a couple other rug players, and I was like, well, I mean, I don't want to play against these people. I might be on the draw. That kind of sucks. But other than that, I don't know. So let's let's talk about your build. You sure. called it No Bad Card Rug. And yeah, I'm, that was, was I'm that not the first one to come up with that term, just to be clear. You were? I was not. I was not. I'm, oh, okay. I'm, not, I'm not trying to make it. <laughs> was that Lawrence or Max? I remember both of them really working on that deck. I think I it was Max. I, I definitely read their article. Shout out to MinMax Blog. They're right. great. Big fan of their content. Um, yeah. Um, I, I made a little bit of tweaks for the sideboard. Um but but yeah, the main deck is, is very similar. So how many spell snare were you playing? <sighs> okay. So <laughs> I played zero and that was a mistake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think so I, I think I, think I was one trying to think about spot. like the flex spots. Yeah. And it was like Pierce, Snare, and then the number of Hex Drinkers and True Names. And like mm-hmm. that was pretty much it for the Wiggle Room in the main deck. Uh, well, I mean, I have the one preordain. Like, I was trying to get my sorcery count up a little bit. Um, some people are on the the crop rotation main or side. That's one that moves around a little bit. Uh, Vapor snag also traditionally has been in the side. I went with one main. Uh, the crop rotation or the vapor snag are kind of trying to solve similar issues there, and it had just tested out a little bit better for me. But those are the kind of the last slots, like whether you're on one or two Hex Drinker, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr- Dreadhorde Arcanist has been slipping in popularity. Instead of two or more, it's more like zero or one. That's yeah. been moving around a little bit. Yeah, I saw Jarvis played one in his top eight list for the Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. I was on two, but I think, I think one is a little better. Um, the person who came in second in the main event i love their list it looks really tight nice yes i'm not familiar with this player but it's austin blackner dude what the fuck is with channel fireball having picture lists instead of instead of harder, typed out deck lists harder to like, aggregate the uh, aggregate the data this is lobster con bro what the fuck is this shit <laughs> yeah like it's working for old school it should work for us yeah. i uh yeah, Brian Weissman's I, drooling when I think of a stock list for Rug Delver right now, mm-hmm. I I would consider the main deck of this the most stock. Yeah. The two spell snare, two spell pierce split, I really like. So no arcanist. No, no arcanist, and the two two split between hex drinker and true name. Uh, yeah, I I do. It does look really tight. I would, I would almost. Cut. This is crazy because I've always liked Hex Drinker more. I, I feel, but I would actually probably be on one Hex Drinker, one Arcanist, just because drawing one of them each would, seems like uh, the perfect scenario. You know? Yeah, they I are think it's a little more awkward in multiples. Um, I I tried for the main event, like maybe cutting a, a Goyf. Um, maybe I was overreacting to the amount of people who were bringing in Graveyard Hate. Like, uh, kept people kept having Rest in Peace against me. And I wanted another threat that wouldn't be impacted by that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, since it's good against Ren and Six also. But yeah, I, I like their list a lot. 
Yeah, speaking of rest in peace, uh, Channel Fireball did a metagreen breakdown for day one and day two. Did you see where Death and Taxes was? I did not. Hold it on. did not fucking show up at all. I think there were 11 people that chose to play Death and Taxes for this event. For day one? Yeah. Holy shit. Maybe maybe I was reading the wrong graph or the wrong tweet from the wrong person. But uh, if you look at Death and Taxes 4. No, you got it. Yeah, day one, it's it's so much, so much fallen. Or it has fallen off so much from where it used to be. Well, it's not a good deck to be playing if Rugged Delver is this bigger percentage of the metagame. Yeah, which is crazy because it used to be the deck that preyed on Delver. And now the Delver decks don't care about that. It, they don't really care about Chalice. Like we talked about earlier, what what are the bad matchups for this deck? Apparently Cyrus. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so tell us. I think so. Oh. Hold on, while we're talking about bad matchups, real quick, what do you think of the mono red matchup? Like, uh, if you could classify it on like a, a one to ten or whatever. Well, I personally love to play against it, but I've got a bunch of cinder vines in my sideboard. Yeah, I noticed that. I love that. <laughs> um, and the uh, Mister Blackner had one of those, um, you know, and it's got some ancient grudge and some and a hydro blast. So, like, yep. definitely tools, even in a little bit more mainstream style. Um, I'm just not that scared of it. I mean, I understand, you know, Blood Moon's supposed to be good against it, but I think I've just got so much counter magic against it. I've got ways to deal with it if it's yep. even in play. <sighs> you know? Yeah, I, I, th- I thought I actually. So, the last time I was playing Rogue, I was playing with Noble Hierarchs. And I thought that I actually had a pretty reasonable matchup mm-hmm. against them. You know, it's always you can lose the die roll and and not know what you're playing against and end up having to win two post board games and right. you know, have to cross your fingers at some point. But uh, just just being able to have lightning bolt as a threat that gets out there, mm-hmm. you, you don't have like the uh, you know a basic land or a noble hierarch to stick under a blood moon, but you have cinder vines like you mentioned, where if you can get one of those out, I mean. It's just insurance against whatever permanent you're afraid of, right? It just sits on the board, and I can still make colorless mana, so I can still deal with it. And even sometimes you just stick a Delver mm-hmm. on turn one, they Blood Moon you, and you just, you know, Delver flips, and you have two bolts, and you can just squeak across the line, right? Yep, still got forces that are live that I can still cast. So, Yeah, being able to have the extra force in the main deck and the extra one coming in, Mm-hmm. And the mulligan rule changes really make it so that if you want to, you can have a force of will or force of negation live quite a bit of the time. I had a pretty sweet uh, match in the top four against uh, uh, Dragon Stompy or Eight Moon Stompy or whatever we're calling it. It was fun. Uh, yeah. It was close, but uh, but yeah, but got there. Real nice. So let's too. let's run through your event. Oh sure. And sort of recap what you played against, how the deck felt. Okay. I mean, this is this is the deck to beat coming out of this weekend. So the more you can tell us about it, the better. Okay, uh, I'll do my best. Uh, so uh, first round, I played against Reanimator. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have uh, Force Plus Blue card in game one. I was able to stop their first attempt to get a fatty in the graveyard. 
Um, so they weren't able to get Faithless looting off. Uh, early Delvera Secrets uh, was able, actually able to go the distance. It just slowed them down long enough so that uh, Reanimate was no longer uh, a live draw for them. Got across the finish line there. Uh, my four <laughs> Leyline of the Void in the sideboard definitely uh, <laughs> helped out in, uh, in game two. They uh, they were not ready for that. They had a bunch of uh, discard, you know, so they were locked and loaded for like surgical extraction, that kind of answers. Um, so they were trying to, uh, you know, like get one of my creatures in my graveyard and reanimate it. They they were in a tough spot. So got got past them. Uh, let's see. Round two was Grixis Control. Not as big a part of the meta anymore. Um, that one was pretty straightforward. Just I was on the play, got a threat down. I remember I got Ren and Six down, uh, wastelanded them out. Uh, now, was it like a snow version? Or was it like just a straight ported old school Grixis? It was straight ported. It was, it was, you know, it would have made sense like a year ago, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Like Strixes. Yeah, definite Strixes. Also getting dealt with by Ren and Six. It just, the mm-hmm. cards just did not match up real well. Uh, yeah got them uh round after that i did run into uh four color snow control and i should have lost that match uh it uh, was real close we got to game three i just kept drawing lands um at one point i had five lands in my hand five lands in play (laughs) And they had uh, an active Jace, Liliana, and Narset. And all I had going for me was I had like a Ren and Six that they were just ignoring. Um, yeah. And I don't know why, but like they just like weren't scared of it. And I had some relevant um, spells in my graveyard. Like I had a Pyroblast, you know, I had a Lightning Bolt, Brainstorm Ponder, all that kind of good stuff. And they didn't know what was in my hand, I guess. Um it wasn't just a bunch of lands. Uh, it it was all lands, but they didn't know that that. <laughs> so they didn't did, know. Did to... you pick? Didn't you pick them all up individually though? Well, you know, they didn't know that it was like <laughs> they were different copies it. of Fluted Delta or whatever. I gotcha. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, anyway, so there was a critical turn where I played a uh, uh, Dreadhorde uh, Arcanist, and for whatever reason, they bolted it instead of Renin Six. Uh, and then I just emblemed and then just like machine gunned their entire board down. It was crazy. Um, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So came back in that one. I appreciate it. Thanks for the charity. I'll take it. Um, (laughs) let's see. Uh, after that, I played against green, green, black depths, uh, was running hot, had the, uh, main deck vapor snag show up in game one. So I was able to steal that one. Um, I lost game two. They got me game two. And game three was pretty sweet in that they were able to make me discard one of the Vapor Snags. So, um, but I had an active Dreadhorde Arcanist. And they couldn't like stop that from being able to bounce their um, Dark Depths token. So I remember that was a, was a sweet one. Let's see. Uh, then I played the Mirror. Uh, funny... You know, we mentioned earlier about not many people internationally traveling. I believe I played against somebody from Italy in that round who also made the top eight, who was also on Rugdelver. And then there was another person, I believe, from France who also made the top eight. But 
guess just just a coincidence there. Wow. Yeah, they were they were both really cool too. Um, anyway, so uh, I was fortunate enough to win the die roll, and that was a big deal um, in that match. Um, just being able to get down a threat and being able to uh, protect it. Uh, I know we traded off Delvers early on, and then we were able. I was able to win a war over Ren and Six, and um, he just just wound up getting wastelanded out. Um, it looked like he might be able to come back, but I was able to um, like block a Goyf with like a Delver and then Renan six um, was able to, you know, ping it off or whatever. He was trying to get through to, to, to kill my Renan six, but just couldn't do it. Yeah. He, uh, he steamrolled me on the play, did my best, just couldn't hang. We had a long um, last game, uh, traded resources for a while. He got down one true name nemesis, but was a little low on life. Um, and couldn't afford to swing because I had down a goif that was getting bigger. Um, and then I was able to evolve, resolve a true name nemesis and then a second true name nemesis. And he just, he just couldn't catch up. Yep. Having one more true name nemesis than your opponent <laughs> is a very good way yep. to win that. <laughs> so that one worked out. Uh, handshake with uh, somebody who's, I'm not sure what deck they were on. They, they made the top eight. Um, yeah, I was fortunately able to, to draw in that last round, uh, in the, let's see, in the quarterfinals, I know I played against, uh, blue white Stoneblade, uh, which I don't think is greatly positioned right now. Uh, I like the mentor deck a lot better. Yeah. yeah judging... Actually that, go ahead, Tom. Oh, I was about to say judging from the day one to day two conversion rates, you can see that Stoneblade definitely had quite a big fall off. And honestly, that's one of those like forever decks that we talked about. But for this event, it it didn't seem like it was super well positioned. No. And I was just going to say, that's how actually Jesse and I started talking was right when I was getting off Stoneblade, you were starting to pick it up, right? Mm-hmm. So you have some experience playing it recently? I have. Um, you know, I, I played in some, uh, some local events trying to uh, get some buys for Eternal Weekend. And I went back and forth between... Rug Delver and uh, and Stoneblade. I don't know. I I love Stoneblade. I want it to be good. I, I just yep. I just don't think it is right now. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it is yeah. what it is. You know, and my opponent played really well. I, I, I'm pretty sure his deck was foiled out. I think he's been on it for a while. He you know made really good choices. It just the the cards matched up a certain way. Rin and Six just seemed like a problem for him. Just even though like he didn't have. It's not like I was recurring Wasteland or something, but just making my ponders and brainstorms so good. Um, just over the course of a longer match, the card quality just kind of snowballed. Yep. And I just have to correct you on something real quick. You said he made really good choices, and <laughs> about 10 seconds earlier, he said his deck was foiled out. So <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's an oxymoron. Hey, that is a store of wealth. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's more like buying a new car, honestly. That's that's how I felt about because I, I actually used to have these decks foiled out, but the cards just warp like crazy, you know. That, I felt like these cards weren't going to last ten years. Well, it's okay as long as you sleeve them in all the same sleeves. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Bob. Ouch. 
<sighs> we love Bob. Uh, honestly, yeah. reading that story uh, before the last Leaving Legacy event, I was hastily throwing together a deck. And I grabbed cards from different piles. And the same thing happened to me where I had uh, KMC whatever black mats from two different packs and when i got to the event site that day i had flipped through my deck and i looked at it and i was like damn the patterns on these cards and the patterns on these cards are different and i completely resleeved my whole deck so i've almost been in that exact same spot and I've i have po- been in that exact same spot actually i was playing against mike sigris at a ptq and uh he he noticed it i didn't notice it and the judge, you know, looked at my deck and there was no discernible pattern to it, but it's exactly what you just said. Like I, I just grabbed sleeves from a different box and some random cards, like, you know, maybe like I was playing a eight rack at the time and it was like, you know, four swamps and three spells and, you know, a Liliana. There was like no, no pattern to it. So I didn't get, you know, I just had to re-sleeve. Yeah, it but, sucks. Like for somebody who's as good as Bob to have it happen in an event that he worked so hard for and like i bob bob works so hard and is so good at this game it it sucks to see something like that happen to somebody it it's a great learning experience for everybody else so pay attention to all the stuff that happens because that happens to people all the time you just want to make sure that's not you it's funny y'all should mention that. I had, like, a mishap with my perfect sleeves in the next round. It, it was so scary. Um, the quarterfinals? Or the semifinals? Yeah, semifinals. Right? Everything worked out fine, obviously. Um, but, like, in the middle of the match, like, the judge who was on the other side, like, facing me, because we had, like, a couple judges watching us, was like, let me take a look at your deck. All right. So my deck is facing away from me. So I see like the bottoms of the sleeve, not the open side, like that side's facing my opponent or whatever. And, and the other judge. Um, so they look at it and apparently like, if you look at it from that angle, like some, you know, the new perfect sleeves that like fold over and come make like little pockets. Yep. All right. Apparently like some of them were not as far stuck down. And so then they were looking through and they're like, is there a pattern? Um, there was not, <laughs> thankfully, but they were like wondering, like, all right, why are some of these like not uniform or whatever? Um, but it was like evenly di- divided between like sideboard cards and regular cards or whatever. Just had been in a rush, but it, that's not a thing that anybody wants to go through when they're like, I just want to get through this tournament. You know, I'm like, I've come this far. Please don't have something stupid happen to me now. Yeah, deck checks are the worst, man. Yep. I remember, I think the worst deck check of my life was uh, I kept a hand that was uh, three. I was playing like blue, black Delver with sinkholes and stifles. And I had three Jace Friends Prodigy. This is like the week after it was printed. And it was just a dumb deck. Mm -hmm. But I kept a hand that was uh, like Wasteland, Wasteland, Fetch, Fetch, and three Jace Friend Prodigies. And we got deck checked with our opening hands kept already. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had, <laughs> so the judges had to see what I kept. <laughs> oh no! It was so embarrassing. <laughs> that was yeah. the worst when Probe was in Legacy, and you're like, "Man, I believe me, I'm better than this." Yeah. <laughs> you get probed, and you're like, "Ah, you got me." <laughs> Busted. 
It's pretty brutal. But yeah, so on to your semifinals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, the eight moon guy. Uh, super nice, really fun to play with. Um, had beat several Rug Delver uh, decks before that, both uh, in the Swiss and I believe it just beat someone uh, in the quarterfinals. Uh, anyways, so let's see. Uh, got the first game. I mean, I, everybody knew it by that point pretty much what everybody else was on. So I knew to keep like Force and Blue card. Yeah, it's nice. And I was able to, I believe, force a Chalice and a uh, and a Blood Moon and ignore the rest of the stuff. Like uh, a Trinisphere made it in play, and that was fine. Um, yeah. And I was just able to race with some early threats. Uh, the second game, uh, I lost, and I got too cute while I was trying to play it. Um, I shouldn't have. I got it. I had a Cinder Vines in play that was active. All right. And I also had a Tarmogoyf that was beating him down. He resolved a Chandra. And it was one of those situations where, you know, Goyf had four toughness at the time, you know, and they uh, down tick Chandra to deal four damage to it. And I was like, aha, I will be oh so tricky. And I will sacrifice my Cinder Vines and I will add a extra card type to uh, so targeting itself uh well uh or you, or he, you can just sacrifice it uh i sacrificed it because he, he had like a, a permanent that i didn't care about like it wasn't really slowing me down much i want to say it was a trinosphere and oh, i okay. and i had plenty of mana out and it was just like gotcha. whatever so it wasn't a total waste right i, I did it just so that the tarmogoyf would live yeah right um and then the next turn he dropped an ensnaring bridge and i just never dealt with it um like i just could not get the last bit of damage through like at the time, like, all right, I've got this active Goyf. Uh, I've got these two lightning bolts in hand. Like, what could go wrong? And apparently what can go wrong is he can go to one life and I cannot draw any ways to deal with him staring bridge with the rest of my deck. So it's, it's my bad. I should have just let the let the Goyf die. The Cinder Vines was, was doing a bunch of work and it already dealt him a bunch of damage. And I think, I don't know, I think losing to bridge was one of the few ways I could, like, have thrown that game away. Yeah. So, whoops. But my Goyf lived. It was still in play at the end of the game. So, (laughs) hooray me. Um, So that one was fun. Uh, And then game three, I thought, oh no, this is happening again. He got not one, not two, but three engineering bridges in play. All right. And I had some burn in hand. um, And I had infinite creatures out. Infinite as defined by, I think, maybe six. You know, and so if I can deal with these bridges, I can deal him lethal. And he kept yep. he kept going upstairs with uh, fiery confluences. Yep. Um, and so I got down really low, and there was definitely points in the game where, like, if he has some additional burn, like I'm just dead. Um, and he also has out Trinisphere, so even if I'm drawing answers, like I can only deploy so many of them per turn. But uh, long story short, I was able to get a cinder vines in play and then rip an ancient grudge in time so that I could take out all three of them. Um, like right before he was able to assemble enough burn and my creatures were able to get through like a turn or two before then. So got there. Beautiful. Yep. Felt, felt sweet. So did you ever see Chandra awaken Inferno in this matchup? Cause I noticed that this player had two of them in their sideboard. He did not ever get to resolve them. 
Uh, I mean, I, I obviously cannot stop him from resolving them. Uh, he had one in one of the games when he didn't get enough mana together. Um, okay. I, I know that it was good, and he was very happy about bringing that card. I know that it had beat, like, some uh, of the Mentor decks, and I think he even, like, got a Delver person with it earlier in the day also. Dude, that's, like, the dream. I didn't even think about this card's application, but I think that's probably one of the best things you could bring in against, the, like, mm-hmm. the blue-white decks. Because people who might not be familiar with it, it, it pluses up to eight to make mm-hmm. a copper tablet emblem for your opponent. So it's just straight inevitability. It's, it's maybe like uh, the best sulfuric vortex ever. I mean, it costs six mana, so that's why. But It adds up so quick. It does. So uh, got past him. Uh, and then in the finals waiting, I was so happy for this matchup, was Dredge waiting. And I'm like, please let me have a piece of this guy. I've, I've got my ley lines. I've got my, <laughs> I got my counter spells. Let, let's do this. Uh, game one uh, was actually pretty sweet. Uh, I got down a turn one hex drinker. Um, I was able to force his first attempt to get dredgers in the graveyard. Yep. And he eventually, I mean, I can't keep him off of it forever. Um, got going, but hex drinker had got in some early damage. Goyfa got in some early damage. And I've been drawing a lot of lands, but Hex Drinker's okay with drawing a lot of lands. So the way that one ended, he had a bunch of zombies in play that were going to, you know, come over and eat my brains. But he was also at six life, and I had just enough mana to uh, ultimate Hex Drinker and get those last couple points in. So, yeah, buddy. Yeah, so stole game one. That was sweet. Love to see it. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to have uh, opening hand of Leyline plus Forest plus Blue Card in game two. Um, and he knew, you know, <laughs> yeah, he knew what I had and stuff and he had, uh, he molded some to, uh, I think I had like a nature's claim or something, but I was able to protect it. And then it just took him way too long to try and find additional answers to it. So that was that. Yep. Yeah. Was he playing force of vigor? I didn't actually look at this list. Uh, I'm not sure. I know he targeted it with a nature's claim. I'm not sure if he had, um, additional ways to deal with them. No, it looks like he does not. I, I've been seeing that pop up a lot, though, actually. Not not even remotely close to how much it is in Vintage, but I have seen Force of Vigor showing up. But this looks like this player was just on Nature's Claim. Uh, he did well that weekend, too. I think he uh, I think he maybe uh, got another top eight later, if it's the same person. Oh, awesome. Yeah, he's, he was very good. Well, I mean, Dredge, Dex, uh, Manalus. LED mm-hmm. and Hogak variants all seem to do pretty well. I mean, I I didn't really look at the day one metagame statistics and compare that to, to you know what we saw, but pretty much every top eight and top 32 I've looked at has had a couple of those sprinkled around. I think Graveyard Dicks... I apologize. Oh, I know Topher had stated that one of the reasons why I started to play that deck was this matchup against Delver. So maybe that is the deck to look at to try to fight against the rug, the rug versus the, the Gak deck or, or Dredge. The Gak. Okay. Yeah, he he played a Zombardment Gak right at the uh, at the last LAL. Yes. Yeah, I think any graveyard deck that's not that scared of Surgical is is pretty good right now. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I could I could definitely see that. And that Tariq Patel deck, like. We didn't. Did we really talk about it last week? I don't remember, Tom. But I think you said that you wouldn't be surprised to see it show up in the top eight. And was that the Naya lightsaber loam deck? 
No, no, no. It's it's the the Vengevine Gak deck. Oh no, I think I called I called one of those being in the top eight because I. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but it's literally the same dude with the same deck. Good for them. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And in the uh, SCG top eight, like you know, they have those little like blurbs. They were like, "Why did you play this deck?" And he was just like, "I broke it." And uh, you know, when you top eight an SCG, and then the next weekend you top eight a Grand Prix, I guess it's fair to say he's, he's probably doing something right, right? Probably. I don't know who else picked this deck up, but there people probably should there be doing must it. have been more people than just him. But obviously, if you look at the day one representation of the Hogak Vine deck, it's way down the list. Yeah. I didn't actually see it on there. It's it's grouped in with other, for sure. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's why I missed it. So yeah, that uh that might be the the way to go then. And then the, the next way to go then would be playing Leyline like you were, Jesse. Yeah, I mean you you got to be running hot. I mean obviously I can't cast that and can only mulligan so much. Yep. Yeah, for sure. But it does seem like you had a little bit of a jump. So Mm -hmm. the first question I got that I wanted to ask you was how you felt about the mirror because we saw 12% rug in in the day one metagame for the Grand Prix. And I believe that's just rug, not even counting the the black variant of the Delver Ren deck. Which seems to have fallen off some. It has, but it's probably at least adding like one percentage point there. So clearly the the deck you're going to face the most right mm-hmm. so what's your uh what's your post board plan for for the weekend what was your post board plan uh try and win the die roll yeah were you cutting delvers if you were on the draw I, I mean i wasn't doing that i mean i messed around with numbers for days and force a will depending on yep. player draw i mean pretty standard stuff like that um I mean, bringing in sinkhole. I, I like uh, I like the extra vapor snag, that kind of stuff. I didn't have that sweet a tech for it. Um, I I think I was actually a little underprepared. Um, okay. You know, going forward, uh, I I really like uh, uh, Austin Blackner's list. I mean, he's got the ma- main deck magmatic sinkhole, taking out Tarmogoyfs and Renin sixes. Um, yep. I think... Yeah, Sinkhole seems to be such an important card right now because of Ren, right? Yeah. Because you can answer a Ren like you know in in tempo, like in step, mm-hmm. even through like a daze or something like that. Because basically, I mean, what that blue white red deck, the that Jess guy mentor, or whatever the hell they're calling it, mm-hmm. that's just that's just miracles with Sinkhole instead of Terminus, right? And that just shows you what the important threats are right now. Yeah. It plays a lot better. Than the, yeah. the Miracles version, like, it, better than Terminus. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, well, in this meta, yeah. Hell yeah. The uh, the dirty work of keeping down Elves and D&T and stuff are being done by, you know, Ren and Plague Engineer, so mm-hmm. they, they have that spot to mess around now. Uh, Jarvis, you had some sweet tech for the Mirror, I assume. I mean, well, uh, that and maybe if you're fortunate with the lands they're playing in Green Black Depths, the, uh, the Submerges are pretty good. Yeah, what what's his list? Let me see. Uh, he has two in his sideboard. He came in sixth. Yep, I got it now. So yeah, two submerges. 
And your Sylvan Library is always a good card to have sure. in the mirror. It's going to go a little long. Yeah, I mean, he's got two main deck spell snares. He's making a pretty strong statement about what he expects to see. Yep. Yeah, I would think that this is pretty good post-board. You know, you get to bring in... Oh, he's got the Red Blast, too. Mm-hmm. Did you have a Red Blast? I just had two Power Blasts. I probably should have split it up. I'm sorry, I meant to say Blue Blast. Oh, I, I had one Hydra Blast. That was all I had. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I like that, too. That's that's obviously huge in the mirror. Yeah, that's the only cards I could come up with, really, for you know ways to play it. And potentially... You know, the Delvers, on the draw, the Delvers are super vulnerable, but it feels like if they can stick a Ren and last through a turn, mm-hmm. it's 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 like it doesn't matter either way, right? It's like, even if you do cut your Delvers, like, what are you possibly going to bring in that is a, a threat? Like, you don't have Gurmag Angler, right? Like, you don't have that, that option in the sideboard that would potentially be able to get under days, get over Ren, and sort of stay around lightning bolt and stabilize you there that's a tall ask yeah it really is yeah so yeah it it just kind of is what it is like you you know the whole deck you can't play basics but i think it's interesting what daryl Ayers did and we were talking about this Mm -hmm. a little bit before we started casting uh, which is go back to stifle right i mean if you're on the play it seems great i'm i'm I don't know. Obviously, he, he's making it work. You know, uh, want want a PTQ also. Um, I'm just. Ah, it just seems like it's dead too much. I'm just not sure what like the best case scenarios are for that card. Like maybe if Dark Depths is like just a huge part of the meta game. Like it helps yeah. there. Well, it certainly seems like nobody's playing around it right now because. Right. I mean, it's you, it's best when nobody th- is worried about it. I, I get that exactly. It's, so it's tough to try to rely on Stifle when other rug decks are playing Ren. Like, that card just completely mitigates what Stifle's trying to do. I guess the plan is to make sure they never resolve a Ren, but like... Yeah. We can't... That's, that seems tough, though. It does, yeah. But that's that's sort of like the... Uh, what would let you board out your Delvers, I guess, to, to be able to have that turn... turn one on the draw stifle ready but then sometimes they just play a land they don't fetch and they just blow you out there so it is it is definitely an awkward card i'm not gonna i've never played four stifle i've always played two or three because i it just feels so miserable sometimes when you have two of them and and they are unintentionally playing around it perfectly I gave it so. a shot a couple times. I got to the point where I was just excited if I could pitch it to Force of Will. Yeah, exactly. Been there. And yeah, I had to uh, drive in. I had a six-hour drive out to this bachelor party I was at this past weekend. And I got to listen to our episode of the podcast and hear myself pick three mono-red decks to top eight Atlanta. <laughs> which, like... I don't even know, man. That was that was straight JMO talking. Like that was that was absurd. When I said that, I was like, Jesus, why did I say that? But I do think that the deck did did reasonably well this weekend. It put uh, three copies in the top thirty-two, I think, of the main event, and then we see it, you know, sort of scattered throughout the PTQs. But uh, I would I would think that it doesn't it doesn't have a very negative matchup against this deck, right? It, it's got to be at least reasonable. 
I think the game one's big. I think whether or not you catch them without that force blue card in the first game, you know, and then maybe you can probably get one of the second ones. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, I think actually looking at the breakdown of the top thirty-two, it, it might have been the the third most played archetype to in the top thirty-two, right? Because there was uh there was like ten rug delver decks. Or, or nine rug delver decks and a, a grub delver or whatever you want to call it. And then six tundra decks. And the blue or red mentor. Yeah, five of those and one one miracles, yeah. Yeah, so you're right. There were there were three blue red sorry, three mono red moon decks in top thirty two. So just change your eight to thirty two. Yep. Very reasonable. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty brutal. To listen to that, but uh, yeah, I think that the the big surprise from what we expected last week to what we saw here was just kind of the lack of depth, right? So the Nihilome and obviously the the green black depth deck were were present, not as much as we thought. Right. Obviously, Depths just sort of got, sort of got crushed out by the amount of Delver and Blue White Red. So it seems like Depths had a target. Rug and Blue White Red were the decks that rose up a few months ago, and then Rug just stayed on top. So what, what is going to come around to fight Rug is the next big question. Yeah, I like your suggestion of the Hogak decks. But beyond that, I don't know, Jesse. What what what's your prediction? Ah, uh, I'm scared of really good storm pilots. Aren't we all? Yeah. Yep. Like sitting sitting across from Cliffy or Cyrus or somebody like Brandon Osborne. You're just like, oh man, I'm playing against somebody who's super competent. And I'm probably in trouble. And maybe they get like a little bit of extra edge from people feeling that way. But Chalice being held down right now, like other than Mono Red Moon, where's Chalice? Nowhere. Nowhere. Bomberman. I, Bomberman's a deck. Yeah, and I called I called Bomberman making the top eight. And there's fucking no Bomberman anywhere. It did win a PTQ though, I think. Okay, nowhere in the main event. Right, yes, agreed. I think it came in third. I think Jody oh, Keith okay. was on it. He definitely top-aided one, but I don't think he won it. I could be wrong. Oh, okay. I, 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 I'm almost certainly wrong because I just caught it out the corner of my eye. So. Yep, it was third in the Sunday. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. Well, yeah, I think that... Uh, I think Bomberman definitely merits consideration. For a, for a deck that, that this deck could struggle with. But it seems like all these decks that we're talking about, with the exception of the Hogak deck, you just potentially end up with like maybe another Force of Negation in the main deck. And you can kind of really square up those matchups. Like, you, you know, uh, you're playing a cantrip, very efficient deck, so tweaking, tweaking the flex slots, you really get a lot of play out of that, right? Like, you, you're going to see your cards pretty often. Uh, having knowledge of what you're playing against is obviously a big thing because if you're just going in blind, you can get 
you can get punked by mono red or any other chalice deck pretty easily but i think for delver it, to not be successful it needs to have problems that it doesn't have enough sideboard slots for like it needs to be pulled in enough different directions like storm and graveyard decks and bomberman and something else then then maybe it gets knocked down a peg i'm just not sure that that's where we're at right now yeah sounds about right because i mean what do you have to what do you have to devote to stuff like elves or death and taxes right now nothing right yeah main deck's got it yep so yeah that's kind of weird that you're not really getting pulled in that many directions you're right It's too bad there's no such thing as a good card for the mirror, or else you could uh, really <laughs> devote some space to that. Well, I think the next evolution is for the rug delvers to try to like inbreed, fight against the mirror, and then lose percentage points to everything else as they're trying to do that. Because you really want to be the rug delver deck to win the mirror. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. I think that's totally right. I think that's what's going to happen. I just don't know what those cards are yet, but it'll happen at some point. Maybe we need some mine harnesses. There we go. <laughs> I fucking told you about that card. Card gives me nightmares. Mind harness your hex drinker. Yeah, your goif. Let's do it. Yeah, why not? Uh, I'm on board. I'm going to buy some foil mind harnesses right now. I don't think they have foil versions. It's that old. Jesus Christ. Where's What's this? What's that? Is this Is it Mirage from? or it's something? From scales. Yeah, uh, Mirage. Oh, okay. So, yeah, next week I think uh, we're going to talk about the Throne of Eldraine spoilers, right? Because I'm actually just looking at this card, this uh, Mystic Sanctuary, or whatever it's called. Are we going to have another wager going? Because you're O for whatever. And, like, growing up, my brother, my, my closest younger brother and I, We'd have bets where we'd like bet each other a million dollars and then just go double or nothing. And there was one time we were watching TV on a Saturday and there was a baseball game playing that was a replay from the night before, but my brother didn't know it. (laughs) So I started calling things that were going to happen in the game and I ran up like a $20 million tab on him. So I just want to let you know that we've been going double or nothing and like you owe me $17 million. Okay. Yeah, we need to we need to work out the new wager for this set. But well, I guess it's card, double or nothing then. Yeah, double double or nothing, thirty four million or zero. Alright. So yeah, have you been looking at the those spoilers? You've been following it? I've been following it, but not in terms of legacy. I've only seen a few cards that I thought would really impact uh the format. That that island one hundred percent is one of them, but most of the cards I just I really appreciate for flavor in limited purposes but we'll do a full legacy set breakdown when we uh when we get on next week yeah to be totally honest uh i saw i think it was ari was talking about like this set being like a one step below like urza block in terms of like broken cards and i was like what the hell is he seeing that i'm not seeing here because when I thought that the adventures pitched to force a will and then you could still cast the creature part, I was super excited, but that's not true. No, you need to exile them kind of with like a, not a counter, but in a separate pile that you cast the adventure. Yeah. It's uh, it's strange that you can have your exile pile div- divided into multiple regions that do different things. So it- it's strange. 
and I think that he was probably talking about effect on standard, not yeah, it could be the eternal formats because there's no way that this set is as impactful to older formats as Urza's block was. Like, literally zero percent chance. Yeah. Oh no, agreed. That that, but he did say a step below. But yeah, I I know what you're saying. Very fucking big step. <laughs> All right, so Jesse. Thank you for coming on. That was awesome. Do you have any people you want to give a shout out to? People you traveled with? Anything you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah. Uh, one, thanks for having me on. I had a wonderful time. I appreciate it. Um, Real quick, when, when Jesse was going to come on, he said, I'm kind of a nobody, but uh, you know, I'd love to come on. And if you're a nobody, bro, I'm a fucking Zygo. I'm an amoeba or some shit because you've, uh, you've had some results in the past, bro. Uh, yeah, we, we haven't done shit. We're still people listen to our podcast and like, who the fuck are we? <laughs> Man, putting out weekly content's hard. Y'all should be proud. I'm definitely not proud of my life decisions sitting here <laughs> in my fucking underwear in a nine degree room drinking fucking white claw, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Bro, you're leading a raid and podcasting at once. That's pretty impressive. I'm not. I'm not. I'm forty one. I'll update everybody as the progress happens. Oh, your character. I thought you meant your age. All right, go ahead, Jesse. I thought he had just revealed finally the mysterious Me t- age. Me too, bro. I, yeah. I really thought he did. It, it was, yeah, it was my actual character. Uh, yeah, just real quick, I'd like to shout out to uh, Ryan Marcella. Uh, he helped me a ton with testing. Uh, and he also uh, day two'd his first Grand Prix, so I'm real proud. Really? Of him. You're friends with that dude? Uh, do you know? Do you know him? I'm just fucking with you. Who he is? Sorry, I just I, I felt like I had to pick it up. Wow, I'm sure. I'm sure he's awesome. I just wanted the listeners to be like, "Wait, what's gonna happen? Fucking nothing." Oh there man. <laughs> so, so your uh, was that your car? Uh we actually had to drive separately because of stupid work stuff. But definitely playtest partner uh, and and room together awesome yeah congratulations to both of you then so wait you're qualified for uh the pro tour in february is that correct yes sir yeah so i'm looking forward to it. if you really do uh you know want to talk draft whatever set it is that the end up you end up playing at the uh, pro tour in february i think I'm it's down. return to theros yeah I, i'll take all the help i can get yeah and it will be 200 drafts deep by the time yeah. the pro tour happens well, if I have the uh, so, trophy leader so on my side, how can I go wrong? <laughs> Honestly, though, I, I didn't like the first Theros, so hopefully this one's better. Yeah, I, I wasn't the hu- hugest fan. It seemed like it was just devotion decks, basically, but I don't know. Yeah, Maybe this I one will be different. Did, well, for Limited, like Limited, it was great. I top aided a uh, Sunday, so the Super Sunday series. And uh, my only limited Grand Prix in that block. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, if people want to want to reach out to you, Jesse, how could they do that? Unsuccessfully. Okay. I like it. <laughs> I don't really have a, a media presence, but uh, I appreciate it. All right. So, Tom, if people want to get in touch with you because they're uh, looking for your recommendations on the best White Claw flavor. How could they do that? Black, black cherry, just right here. You don't have to get in touch with me. But if you want to talk about other things other than black cherry white claw, 
You can talk to me at tsmileymtg on Twitter and the cast at deadformatcast. And you can email the cast at deadformat.com. Sorry, at deadformat <laughs> at gmail.com. Deadformatcast at Deadformatcast gmail.com. at gmail.com. It doesn't fucking matter. It's all the same person. Just you can send me a <laughs> Facebook message and literally all of our media outlets are going to go to me because Anne lives in the fucking woods most of the time. Bro, I can't help it. I'm just an outdoor boy now. Now, if people want to get in touch with you to talk shit about the Jets. Oh, God, the Jets. The Jets. I'm so glad I missed that game. I, I didn't see it one second of that game because I didn't have any connection to reality at that point. But Good. Uh, Ian, 18125 on Twitter. Uh, deadformatcast at gmail.com. Uh, I think that that's all the stuff that we usually say at the end of the cast. So that might be a wrap. Jesse, do you want to sing the theme music? (laughs) Uh, I'll politely decline. Thanks, though. Uh, Uh, That's a wrap.